Hello, welcome to Vet Talk, the veterinary podcast. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. This is an informational podcast, and we hope you find it a valuable tool to help you understand veterinary medicine and how to better care for your animals. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud or by going to lickingvalleyvet.com and finding the education page. While you are there, take a look at our blog section for more helpful information. You can also follow Licking Valley Veterinary Hospital's Facebook page if you want regular updates on released podcasts, blogs, and videos. If you find this information helpful, please feel free to make a donation to the continuation of this content. There is a link to do this on the webpage under the podcast list. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope this information is helpful to you. So, how's everyone doing with this COVID stuff? Reopening too early? Tired of being stuck in a house? Yeah, I know at least I'm looking pretty shaggy on the top of my head. Hair keeps growing. I'm kind of excited though. Pretty soon, I'm going to look like Anakin Skywalker. And if this goes on longer, we will get to an even more fun look. Where we let our hair grow out and put it in a ponytail and then guess what? Yep. Yep, you guessed it, tricorn hats. Revolutionary era style clothing will make a comeback. I'm sure this will help my chances with women. What woman could resist a man in a tricorn hat? I tested it out the other day and wore my tricorn hat to a barn where I was meeting some farriers at so I could sedate some horses. The farriers were really confused about the hat, but the farriers' children loved it. Oh well. I'm always ahead or behind of fashion trends. One of the problems with COVID-19, besides bringing back the tricorn hat, is that we don't yet have a vaccine for it. Vaccines are a wonderful pinnacle achievement of science. They allow us to give an animal's body the chance to be able to fight off a disease without actually being infected by a virulent version of the disease. Before vaccines, the only way to be able to fight off a disease was surviving it. Sure, a common cold was survivable, but smallpox? Not so much. As humans, we are gamblers, but we like it when the odds are in our favor. Or in the case of Lando Calrissian, when the deck is rigged in our favor. Vaccines rig the deck in our favor. We can protect ourselves and our animals from diseases that would before kill us. Since we don't have a vaccine for COVID-19, we have to use other methods of protecting ourselves from it. Social distancing, vigilance with hand sanitizing, wearing masks. All of this is to slow the spread so people can become immune without dying. Sure, a lot of people will become immune without knowing it, but we don't want to risk those we love going to an overwhelmed hospital or getting hit by COVID so hard they will not survive even with good medical treatment. Eventually, through these methods and likely a vaccine we will develop, we will have a herd immunity in the human race. So COVID-19 will not be as scary of a thing. But until then, we have to remain vigilant. And I would recommend not pushing vaccine creators to make a vaccine before it is properly tested. 
I'd rather wait longer in isolation than have a vaccine that could have harmful effects and hurt me. So be strong. Help everyone out. That means quit complaining when medical professionals recommend something. They don't know everything, and it's hard to explain every little bit of why we do something to the general public. Sometimes, as medical professionals, we give broad instructions to everyone and specific instructions to individuals who can handle it better. Hence why we have these podcasts, to give you more in-depth information as to why we make our broad statements. It's true a mask limits the spread of the COVID, and if you are six feet apart, you're limiting that spread. So why do both? Because maybe you're walking by someone six feet away and they trip. You rush up to help them, but you don't put your mask on. Oops. I'm the first to defend the constitutional rights of Americans, but most of these limitations I have seen are not opposing our civil liberties. They are rather ensuring promotion of the general welfare and ensuring this country's prosperity and posterity will remain healthy. And yes, as we learn more what we can do and not do, restrictions will need to be adjusted. But until then, play nice with each other. Until we figure it all out, err on the side of caution. Anyone can survive a few months of this isolation, but not everyone can survive the infection. And then once we have more knowledge on how to prevent the disease, the human herd infection rate, how antibodies response can be measured to improve effective safety levels, and a vaccine, we can then get on with our life. But we don't have a vaccine yet. We don't know who is immune and has sufficient antibodies for protection. So for now, we have to do the hard stuff that goes with social distancing to prevent a disease until our safe vaccine is made. Isn't it nice to have a vaccine? It makes things so easy. Get a series of shots and you're good to safely stroll into the disease-infected world. So yeah, are public health officials getting everything right? No, they're not, but they're being overcautious to protect you and those you love. So work with them as they refine their suggestions on how to keep everyone safe. In this episode, we're going to go over cattle vaccinations. And these vaccines have been around for years. They are proven to work. They save cow lives. They increase herd immunity. You pay money and then lo and behold, you make more money because the vaccines are cheap compared to the damage the disease can cause in your cattle herd and the less amount of food and other things you have to do to make healthy, sellable animals. So let's look at these vaccines and a rough estimate for what they cost and what they prevent. In this episode, I'm just going to go over the vaccines. We will talk about when to administer them on the next episode. So here are each of the vaccines we want to give to cattle and their rough prices. Clostridium shovii. This is blackleg. This is a sudden disease with swelling in the muscles. When I have seen this, it's a lot of times something I will be able to diagnose by feeling it in the rear leg muscles. Gas in those muscles giving a crepitous feeling. The cattle are usually younger, between one or two years of age, and typically down when I see them. A lot of my owners are worried about bloat because when muscles stop working and the cow goes down, their gut slows down and they bloat. But the bloat isn't the problem, it's the blackleg. 
I've seen a few animals I suspect of having black leg, but haven't proven it because the owner wouldn't do a necropsy. And sometimes you just see these lesions deep in the tongue of the cow. So it's evident if we cut them up, but not on a basic exam. They will probably die from black leg if they haven't. Clostridium septicum. It's very similar to black leg. Maybe I've seen it, maybe I haven't. I've never had it distinguished for me at a lab. I tried treating it the same way with antibiotics and NSAIDs. Again, not a good thing and death is a high probability of the animal. Clostridium novii, sometimes called infectious necrotic hepatitis. A liver parasite brings the bacteria from its normal spot in the intestines of the animals to the liver and then it multiplies in the liver, releases toxin, and the animals usually die before you find anything but a dead animal. Clostridium sordelii does many of the same things as the others, but usually enters through wounds. Again, it's responsive to antibiotics, but usually you are too late to do anything. Clostridium perfringens, C and D. This causes a deadly enterotoxemia, i.e. gut problems, which can release toxins which kill the cattle. Antibiotic treatment can be tried, but again, the animals will likely will be dying from this. You know, all those diseases we just discussed that can kill a cow are preventable and cost only about $2 per cow to vaccinate. Our next one, Clostridium tetanus, the dark lord tetanus. Bad juju right there. Tetanus likes killing you and your cows. And tetanus is ubiquitous. That means it's everywhere. It is everywhere waiting to kill you. It's awful to see. The muscles go rigid and any little touch sends the animal into painful spasms. Antibiotics may help, but likely when you see signs, it's too late for antibiotics to help. Basically, you will have a dead cow that died a horrible painful death. I saw a case last week. It was completely preventable. Properly vaccinating animals can prevent it. Vaccine cost per animal, $2. Okay, on to some others. Bovine diarrhea 1 and 2, a disease that causes diarrhea and decreased production from an animal. I.e., this means you won't make what you should when you sell the cow or have to put a lot more money into it to make it that healthy cow to sell. Infectious bovine rhinotracheitis. This is a respiratory disease that is caused by a herpes virus. It can cause abortion in pregnant animals, which hinders your future calf, calf crop, but it mainly is going to cause upper respiratory infections, which will decrease production and usually require treatment of secondary infections, again, affecting your profit margin. In young animals, it could lead to pneumonia, and if not that, slow weight gain of the animal, sometimes death, from the secondary pneumonias. Parainfluenza 3 Another respiratory virus that can set up the cow for getting sick and causing decreased production or opening the, up the door for other deadly problems. Bovine respiratory senescial virus. More serious than PI3, parainfluenza 3. This causes more respiratory problems and often leads to pneumonia. If it doesn't kill an animal with pneumonia, it's going to slow their growth. Pasteurella or Mannheimia hemolytica. In this case, not a virus, but a bacteria that causes respiratory problems. 
you got my respiratory points above. But guess what? You can get a vaccine that covers all the diseases I just mentioned. $5 per cow. Pink eye. Moroxella bovis. A vaccine for a specific part of a complex of things that can cause a disease. The vaccine cost $2. Leptospirosis. There are a lot of types of lepto, a bacteria, and lots of vaccines containing different types of lepto vaccinations. Lepto can give cows fever, hemolytic anemia, and jaundice and kill them or cause calf abortions. Cows should not be giving lepto if they are pregnant and have not received a lepto vaccine previously. Vaccine cost $2.20. Anaplasma. I have a whole podcast episode about this. It's a blood parasite that is moving into certain areas of the country and can kill animals in 48 hours. Vaccine cost $9. That's the things I want to vaccinate for. I looked at a few different prices you could get for sending a cow to slaughter. So let's say it's around $700. If you buy a new cow, you may be looking at around $1,500, depending on bloodlines and stage of life and such. So let's say a cow is worth $1,000 to you. This is just a rough look, as all the prices I have are rough and depend on so much with the fluctuating markets, stage of life of the cow, food prices, which might vary depending on drought levels in different parts of the country. Cattle prices increase and decrease with supply and demand. Sometimes you don't need a vet much for a few years, and then you need them all the time. You need to consider if you are making money or not. And yes, you have to consider the time you put in. Do you enjoy the work enough that you don't mind that you may not be making money? I encourage people to make a spreadsheet so you know exactly what each of your cows cost you and what profits are for each of your cows. So, yeah, some more numbers. All those vaccines I mentioned, $22 for annual vaccines for a cow. Yeah, young ones need boosters, but let's look at one cow for now. Okay, let's add in food, $357 per cow a year then let's deworm it roughly 20 more dollars add in some minerals and let's say random vet care um i say about 66 so that's 399 no carry the one about 465 dollars a year to maintain one cow that does not include land cost and your labor cost um and remember, straight to slaughter in a good year is $700. So $235 per animal profit. 15 average herd size in Kentucky, a profit of $3,525. If we are generous and say each cow is worth $1,000 because of special ways that you work things or whatever, that increases your net profit to $535 per animal or in a herd of 15 $8,025 a year. I hope you have already paid for head gates and land and tractors. Oh, ooh, repairing tractors? Because tractors never break and they're really cheap to fix. Oh, I, I'm putting up some fence. That, that's, oh, around, you know. Okay, yeah, you've, you've got all that covered, right? So, who isn't wanting to vaccinate now? It's $22 per animal. 
And let's say they got anaplasma and one dies because you didn't vaccinate. Assuming we did as before and the cow's worth $1,000, your good profit margin of 8000 dropped to 7000 And the lower range, now it dropped from 3500 to 2500 One cow from a preventable disease like anaplasma can destroy 30% of your profit margin. Obviously, these are all estimates. All this is to say you don't have a huge profit margin on any of that. Losing cows is bad. And I expect people to lose cows. A wise farmer once told me if you have cows, you're going to lose them. He was right. So look at your profit margins. Can you lose a cow? If I have 15 cows and make 8000 a year, that's me making $21 a day. One cow loss makes that $19 a day. For those of you who aren't farmers, next time you see one, thank them or buy your produce local. Farmers do a hell of a lot of work to keep beef on your table and not a lot of reward. For the farmers, you have to do it smart. Invest. Make sure you don't lose more animals than you need to. See what your actual numbers work out to. And if they are in the negative, talk to someone on how to fix those numbers. Every penny counts. Every cow counts. Properly vaccinate your animals. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Nathan. I hope this information was helpful to you and gives you a little more perspective on the world. If you want to reach out to us, email us at theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to tell your friends about our podcast and check out LickingValleyVet.com for information on blogs, videos, and the complete list of podcasts in our education section.